walk as he walked. Those who worship the Lord, worship in spirit and truth. Those who say that they know him must walk as he walked. He is the way and the truth, and in him is the life. If we obey his word, Walk in the light, He is the way and the truth, and in Him is the life. If we obey His word, then we walk in the light. If we say that we know Him, but we don't keep his word, then we walk in the darkness, and the truth's not in us. If we walk in the light, we will have fellowship sweet, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from sin. He is the way and the truth, and in Him Ascension Day, as Priscilla has so aptly noted in the comments here this morning, and it is, in fact, Ascension Day. It is Thursday, May 18th, would have been the day of Ascension. And uh, just to go back and look at uh, Acts chapter 1 for just a little bit, um, and to think about where they were. Acts 1, we'll look at a few of the passages that talk about the Ascension, since it is Ascension Day. And 10 days from now, you know, is uh, uh, Pentecost. So, and I'm not sure that it's on the right date, actually, but it should be 10 days from now. The Ascension was 40 days after his resurrection, and then 10 days after that was the Ascension, I think. Or maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it is... Well, let me look. When is Pentecost? Yep, May 28th. 
we're right. We're right on the queue here. May 28th is Pentecost. Uh, that is a Hebraic uh, Hebrew uh, festival. And on that day, as the believers were going up into uh, Jerusalem, it is uh, commonly believed that as they were on the southern steps entering up into Jerusalem, that is when the Holy Spirit fell upon them because there was a crowd of people around them. And uh, that was Pentecost, but that's not quite yet. That That's still 10 days out. Today is the day of ascension. Uh, Acts chapter 1, talking about uh, his ascension. As soon as I find the mouse, there we go. Um, put this up, the ascension. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. I mean, there is a certain measure of warning to not get so wrapped up in in prophecy that we're not busy doing the work of ministry that we need to be doing in our day. And there are some that get so caught up in, in you know, all the news, and this is happening in Israel, and, 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 and I know I've led us down the road of looking at those things from time to time, but there's so, there are some people so absorbed in those things uh, that, that that they're really of no earthly good. They're really not promoting the gospel. They're really not promoting living as disciples, as followers of Christ. So Acts chapter uh, 1, uh, verse 7, he says, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Holy Spirit power, resulting in a witness in Jerusalem, resulting in a witness in Judea, expanding out from Jerusalem, uh, in Samaria to the places the Jews would rather not go, and then to the very ends of the earth. And it says, after this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, uh, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. In other words, don't just stand around looking up into the clouds. That is not what you should be doing. You should be going and doing the things that he told you to do. Um, so over in the book of Luke, we read this. It says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany. Now, Bethany is just outside of uh, Jerusalem uh, and over the hill, the other side of the hill of the Mount of Olives. So if you're standing in Jerusalem, uh, looking to, I get my directions mixed up over there. Uh, looking to the east, I think that is the east direction. Uh, you're standing on the Temple Mound. You're looking over to the uh, Mount of Olives, and on the other side of the Mount of Olives is Bethany. I mean, really, not not significantly far. It's probably further than it looks, but it's not as far as you might think. It's close. So. He says, Luke says, when he, Jesus, had led them out uh, to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while blessing, 
them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with a little bit of joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Now notice, it doesn't say with a little bit of joy. What does it say? It says with great joy. For us to have great joy in Jesus. There are things in life that are hard. Uh, All of us go through difficult things. Some of you uh, in your lives, uh, we know, go through incredible challenges. It just seems like one thing upon another, upon another, and upon another for you. And yet, when we push those things aside and say, Lord, I'm going to focus on you and trust in you and put my hope in you, um, our perspective can change. Uh, And what seems like gloom of soul can turn to joy of soul as we place our hope in the Lord and watch him work. Now, verse uh, verse 53, chapter 24, Luke says, they stayed continually at the temple praising God. I mean, they just couldn't get away from it. I mean, what if that were us? Uh, What if we were people who just couldn't get away from worship? We just wanted to worship more and more and more and more. I mean, if that were true of us, would that not be just an absolutely phenomenal uh, way to be? Yet, I know you're thinking, well, we have work we have to do. Yes, we have breakfast we have to make. Yes, Uh, we have paperwork we need to get prepared. Yes, Uh, we have emails we need to respond to. Yes. Uh, we have house cleaning we have to do. Yes, we have vegetables. We need to vegetables, put it that way, vegetables uh, that we need to be dicing and slicing, getting ready for Saturday at market. All those different things. I know, yes, we have those things to do, but but what if we could say, Lord, help us to remain in the state of mindfulness of you and your presence, even in the midst of our busyness, even in the midst of our problems, Uh, to be mindful of him even as they stayed continually at the temple praising God. It wasn't just that they stayed at the temple continually eating uh, mandazi and coffee. Uh, No, they stayed at the temple continually uh, praising God and for us to be in that place of praising God. So happy Ascension Day to think about the fact that this Jesus who has been taken up from us will also return to us in like fashion as we read in the book of Acts. He is coming back someday, and we need to be ready for his return. So happy Ascension Day, everyone. Happy Ascension Day. We we just rejoice in that reality. Now, let me take us over to the book of Acts. Priscilla, thank you for throwing us on that nice little detour, a helpful detour for our souls this morning. I wasn't thinking about the fact that it is it is Ascension, Day of Ascension Day today, and you pointed that out, so thank you very much. Acts 6.1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, I could stop right there. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? What will I say uh, applicationally coming out of the very first part of verse 1. What will I say? In fact, I won't say it, and I'll let you put it in the comments. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, what will be my comment about that? See if you can put something in the comments before I comment, and then 
hopefully my brain will remember to come back and comment on, uh, especially if you put comments, then I will be reminded to comment on the first part of uh, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. Continuing on, it says, The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, this might sound kind of weird, and, and I, I'll talk for just a moment about who are these. The um, the Grecian Jews, I mean, they, they were Greeks who had become Jews. They had subscribed uh, to Judaism. They were converts into Judaism, or, or perhaps they were even uh, born into Judaism, but uh, had Greek ancestors, as did, I believe it was the Apostle Paul. Uh, so it, it could be their heritage that way, where one parent was Jewish and one parent is Greek. There are different ways that you can have Grecian Jews, that's what I'm saying, those that, that convert to Judaism or those that uh, are married into a situation where there are uh, Greeks and Jews commingled together. So the Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews, those are those definitively of the line uh, of the Hebrews, their, their lineage, their roots, their uh, genetics, their family tree, all of that out of Hebraic roots. So they were complaining against the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Um, it did not seem equal to them. It seemed like the Jewish uh, Christians, uh, and the, these are in the church, okay? So they're not just Jewish, they're Messianic Jews, believers in Jesus. Uh, they are getting preferential treatment, perhaps, over the Grecian Jews. That is what some uh, of the debate some of the angst is over is the fact that it doesn't seem like there is uh, equity here. It doesn't seem like there is equality here. And uh, the distribution of food. Now, we, we live in a place and time where uh, we're not so much thinking about the distribution of food, but when I was overseas, especially in uh, Africa, especially in the area of the um, refugee camps, I mean, they there were daily distributions of food that would take place or weekly distributions of food. There were rations of food that the people were given. Uh, and, and so to to see that firsthand and understand that they got so much rice and so much beans and, and maybe so much meat and, and uh, so many bottles of water, I mean, they were limited. It wasn't like, hey, you know, I want to go belly back up to the bouffoir once again and have a second or third plate. No, it's 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 a very, very small tiny little portion of food that, that they get enough for daily sustenance. Uh, and it would be the, that type of thing where uh, as food is being distributed among uh, the believers, among the Grecian uh, Messianic Jews and among the Hebraic Messianic Jews, uh, it just didn't seem like it was quite fair. So what do they do? What do they do about the uh, about this distribution of food? Before I answer that, let me look at the comments that you put in uh, and take a look over on the other side of the screen and see what we're reading here. Uh, are we making disciples? Yeah. Uh, disciple making must be ongoing. The great commandment, the great commission. Absolutely. Are the number of disciples increasing today? Yes, you're all on to that. And, and 
And my prayer and our prayer, I think, ought to be that the, the we would see the number of disciples increasing. My question to myself, my question to you is, what do we need to change? What do I need to change to be more adept at making disciples? What do you need to change to be more adept in the process of making disciples? Um, there, there are all kinds of things. Now, I'm seeing our, our dear brother Bing here. I mean, he leads prayer retreats. Uh, Bing, you need to sometimes send me a... Uh, of course, I'm not I'm not Catholic, and you know that we're, we're friends, good friends. And um, but I would love to go to one of your prayer retreats. I was just having conversation uh, yesterday with with somebody uh, with our chairman of our elders, Jake, about you know there are a lot of things that uh, uh, we could take away in a very healthy, beneficial way from some of the practices uh, of those who are much more liturgical in nature. Uh, and uh, I would love to go to one of your prayer retreats. So let me know sometime and, and see if I can make that happen to be able to go to something like that. So uh, keep me posted. But why am I talking about a, a prayer retreat? Um, because the issue of how, what can we do to do more at making disciples, leading a prayer retreat is a way of making disciples. Having a Bible study with your uh, Filipino uh, family and friends is a way of making disciples. Uh, and th there are other ways that, that we perhaps participate in making disciples, participating in our local church, making disciples. There are all kinds of ways. And we're going to drill down into a means of support that helps with the number of disciples increasing. So let's continue working down through the text. There's a problem in verse 1, verse 2. They meet together to discuss the problem. So the 12 gathered all the disciples uh, together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So last, uh, one of the things that sometimes we'll do is uh, those of us pastors like Pastor Jacob or like myself or others is we end up doing all kinds of things um, that keep us from the best thing of meeting with people, of talking about living as a disciple, living as a follower of Christ, of uh, teaching and preaching. Um, we can be kept from those things for shoveling snow, or we can be kept for things from things like that, like uh, fixing the toilet, or we can be kept from things like that by making a meal, or we can be kept from things like that. There's all kinds of ways that we end up being kept from the primary thing to which we are called. Uh, and they said in verse 2, the 12 gathered uh, all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven among, seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. Now, why, why, uh, why seven? Uh, some say, well, it had to be the perfect number. Now, I, I think they probably assessed the situation and said, we think that seven men will do. I mean, we, we could dig into why the number seven. Uh, to uh, uh, the number seven to see uh, why it was so significant. Uh, absolutely, we we can do that. Uh, but I, I think it was they just looked around and said, seven will do." And why not go with the number of God, the number seven? So they they. 
pick them and notice what it says. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. There were qualifications. There were competencies that uh, they were looking at. They're not saying, hey, give us uh, seven warm bodies. Uh, They were looking for people who were spiritual people. They were looking for people who had a, a measure of wisdom to be able to determine just exactly what should happen. Uh, and so they picked the, the seven. It says, we will turn the responsibility of making sure the distribution of food goes as it should. We'll turn it over to them. And then it picks up in verse 4 and says, we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, uh, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, I, I want to highlight just one thing from verse, verse 5. It talks about Nicholas uh, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. He perhaps was the background of one of the Grecian Jews converting to Judaism in that way. And so there was even a sense of some fair representation given. It wasn't like, okay, these are all Hebraic Jews who were picked to be the deacons. No, Uh, they also picked somebody who was uh, perhaps Grecian in background so that there would be representation among the uh, uh, deacons uh, from that group who was feeling slighted. Uh, they could have gone 50. We couldn't go 50-50 because you couldn't go three and a half. They, perhaps a few others could have been picked, but they at least made sure in the selection process that there was at least one representing those Grecian Jews. There are some that would say, well, we shouldn't set up representative uh, uh Ministry, In other words, select people to a board to represent a certain age group. Well, I'm looking right here in the text of Scripture, and it seems like they did have somebody that represented a certain sect, a certain uh, ethnic group who was representative at least. Uh, And and being representative isn't always the best way to lead the church, but also sometimes I think when we don't consider the represented needs of of people in a body of believers, it, it can lead to problems when we don't meet those needs of, of those uh, believers. Now, I just, uh, I, while we have time, I want to finish this out. Verse 6 says this. says, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them, the laying on of hands, the, the committing to God in significant fashion. It says, so the word of God spread the numbers of disciple, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What happened? The result of selecting people to support ministry allowed ministry to flourish. Now I know that, that I am among us at least the foremost teacher. I I get that. I know that I am rabbi to us. I understand that. Uh, you know, compared to other rabbis, there are other much better rabbis. But to you, I am rabbi, I am teacher, 
to you. I am the one spreading the word of God, uh, and we all can do that in certain fashion, and, and some of us uh, do it in greater fashion, as do I. But the result of the support of the ministry, as we read right here in verse 7, is the word of God spreading. Friend, I want you to know how absolutely critical you are to the ministry. You're, you're critical to the hands-on people ministry, to the personal ministry, uh, to the interpersonal ministry within the, the assembly of a local church of believers. You're needed. Um, your, your roles are critical. I'm not even necessarily talking about things like cinnamon rolls. I'm talking about the, the, your part that you play in the life of the church is absolutely critical. People setting up tables and chairs, people um, financially supporting the ministry, uh, people taking care of making meals and taking them to people. That's a critical piece of Ministry. You wouldn't want me doing a whole bunch of that, actually. I, I'm pretty limited in what I can do. My wife is very good at it, but I am pretty limited. Every single person in the body of Christ is critical and important. And, and it's for you to ask, and for the body of Christ to ask, but to start with you, what's your role? What do you bring to the table? No pun intended. They're talking about waiting on tables here in this passage, but, but what do you bring to the body? Uh, how do you support? Now, I, you know, I'm going into uh, a new phase of, of life, a new phase of ministry, where your support uh, of the ministry will be absolutely critical and uh, uh, necessary. But the result can be the spreading of the word of God. Uh, I, I can share with you reports, uh, and maybe I need to put together some pictures and some slides of some of the people in some of our other countries that are, uh, since we've met in uh, March in Turkey, have had numerous training sessions, training people how to be disciple makers. Friends, you're a part of that uh, uh, by your prayers. You're you're a part of that by, uh, by your financial support of the ministry. There are those ways. Then there are the hands-on ways. Being there greeting people on a Sunday morning, that's critical. You know, uh, Jacob and I were talking. We, we have not really had people sign up, per se, for the um, our Next Steps course that we have been planning to do on Saturday. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, if, if I have some people, maybe we get some food, some pizzas, some salad, and we talk and get to know each other. Because and part of what's lacking is uh, we used to have – people who would make the phone calls and who would track uh, here, here are the new people and would say, Hey, do you want to come to the, uh, come to this particular training event? We'd love to have you be there. Uh, right now we don't have that in place and, and we need to fortify uh, the whole, I'll use the word assimilation team. And I don't mean that Borgish for any of you that are Star Trek people, you will be assimilated. I don't mean it that way but people who can help people from the front door right on into to life in the body. We need to strengthen that team of people, uh, and, and that's a team of people that would keep track of, of newcomers and say, hey, why don't you come to this event that we're having? We're, we're planning to have one on Sunday right after church. Um, it may not be the full-on training. We'll see if, if anybody shows up, but but. Places like that, administrative help is critical. 
there are administrative aspects that, that we need to get to. And uh, honestly, I'm trying to get myself into a place where uh, I can cut back and maybe even behind the curtain, you won't even know what happens, but cut back on, on uh, whatever income comes from the church so that we can free up money to hire, you know, uh, somebody to, to get that, that, that role, administrative role, uh, back uh, back online and uh, squared away and taken care of. So um, uh, to pay somebody, because Jacob needs that help, I need that help. Um, every single person is important. There are those of you that do music. You're critical. There are those that, that do ministry with children. You're absolutely critical. There, there are those, oh, Melody, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and Lori for the coffee on Sunday mornings. Um, for those that stand at the door and say hello to people, absolutely critical. Uh, every person is critical. Every person is needed. And, and the more pieces that the body picks up so that those of us who preach and pray can focus on preaching and praying, the more the church can grow. And as it says in verse 7, so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in moral increased rapidly and a large number of uh, priests became obedient to the faith. Um, why does it say priests became obedient to faith? Because there were those uh, Hebraic priests, those uh, you know, following in, in, in the Old Testament way who began to follow in the New Covenant way, and that's the priests that are being referenced here in this verse. Well, friends, uh, do your part. Whatever your part is, do it heartily, do it joyfully as unto the Lord. Uh, let us pray that the word of God will spread. Let us pray that the number of disciples around Jerusalem or, or in our case, around Morrill and Belmont and Belfast and Waldo and Searsmont and Montville and Brooks, and you get the point, that the number of disciples in our area will grow. May that be our work. May that be our prayer. May we each do our part toward that end unto the glory of God of God. That's our prayer. So Lord, hear our prayer today. Would you help us each to find our part and do our part with joy and to give joy to one another so that the word of God can spread and that the number of disciples in our area would grow rapidly. Lord, hear our prayer for spiritual fruit for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, have a great day. I will see you tomorrow.